Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom. to tonight's broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. Today's date is March the 15th in the year 2020. It's just a little after nine. Sorry about the late start. We just had some technical issues, but everything is straightened out now. Uh, New Abolitionist Radio has been broadcasting since 2012 to inform the public that slavery was never abolished. And the fact of the matter is, if you read the 13th Amendment, which says that slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished, except as punishment for crime, then we rightly cannot say that slavery has been abolished. And that is the focus of this weekly broadcast. Glad that you could join us. Of course, I'm joined by our regular uh, host tonight. Uh, We got Tag, the abolitionist representing NYC. And of course, we got Maxwell Melvins with the Lifers Group, another regular host. And we got a couple of special guests who are going to join us tonight real quick on our guest panelists tonight. Uh, that includes Tia, Miss Connoisseur Hamilton, who is the publisher of State versus U.S. magazine. State versus U.S. was nominated for 2018 and 2019 Titan Arts Award for Magazine of the Year and 2019 Publisher of the Year in Middle River, Maryland. The online and print publication spotlights high-profile cases, corruption in prisons, police departments, governments, wrongful convictions, true stories of men and women in prison, and the success stories of formerly incarcerated individuals. Also joining us is Jay Renee, founder of an organization with Dana Dane called Hip Hop Humanism, which began in April of 2017. They showcase independent and unsigned artists that have a positive message that is trying to help the people in their community instead of hurt them with the glorification of drugs, alcohol, and sex. In 2019, they began to have the opportunity to be on the radio through WMSKOnlineRadio.com, where they extend their promotion of unsigned positive hip-hop artists. Um, They also talk about urban issues, achievements, and ways to make us better as a people. And that's a program they broadcast on that network every Thursday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Uh, Before we get started with our panel discussion, first, I just want to say our main topic that we want to 
keep in mind tonight is the coronavirus or COVID-19, which is a global pandemic, which has been labeled such by the World Health Organization. Uh, We have been doing regular podcasts on the COVID-19 on Tuesday night. Dave of Tando Radio Show will be joining uh, BTR News again to give some updates. And this is something that we really need to take serious. Now, elderly prisoners, as elderly people went out in the world, as they say, or who are not behind bars, are very vulnerable. Elderly people are vulnerable to this COVID-19 and people with respiratory problems already. Now, time now when you see that you got all these elderly people who are in prisons and for some of us who have experienced that like Maxwell and then you know I've seen documentaries that were made on the inside by prisoners themselves and you see I mean I've been hearing about you know the terrible inhumane conditions for years where you have mold and stuff growing on the walls and um, the one that was smuggled out the documentary that was made by a prisoner in, in a Florida prison and smuggled out he was showing how they never even have soap and stuff you know in the dispensaries in the kitchen and one of the things they say that you should do to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is to wash your hands, you know, frequently, Um, especially, you know, if you're going to be handling other people's food and whatnot. So our prisoners are in a a especially vulnerable position. And I have been noting that a number of organizations have been calling for the compassionate release of these prisoners, um, especially the elderly prisoners where, you know, they can be released with low risk to to the community. Um, so there's a couple of articles that I link to that I think that, you know, people should check out. If you're listening later on the podcast, it definitely is there in the program description. So let me first bring in my co-host and um, just get an opening word from them, Maxwell. Maxwell? Um, greetings to you, brother. How you doing, brother, Scotty? How you doing, my brother? Hey, I'm doing the best that I can, man, just like everybody else trying to survive behind these enemy lines of USA. Well, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I brought on two, uh, two lovely sisters, you know, tonight, and, you know, I'm going to let them share, you know, what they're doing out there and everything that's going on right now, you know. You know, just as a host, I want them to, you know, share what they're doing. You know, we already know what I'm doing. Right. Care about what they're doing right now in this movement out there and abolishing uh, the 13th Amendment and everything and why we think it shouldn't be there in the first place, you know? Right. And all the things that's going on out in this uh, movement right now. There's a lot going on out there in this reform, prison reform, you know, criminal justice reform. There's a lot going out there right now in this time. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's the most that's been going on. Not hearing about it a lot, but where it counts most is you're hearing the areas that don't matter to everybody. You're hearing in the areas that involves mostly the selected. I'm talking about where it involves everybody, includes everybody, where it's having a, a major impact on them, Brother Scotty. And, like, the work that these sisters do right here, you know, and uh, the, the one sister has this fine magazine, man. It's real, man. I got a chance to gloss through it. I had never seen it in my life. I just don't understand it because... I'm always out there and about and everything. And she's got the real people, that's the grassroots people that's out in the streets every day, like Mason, Wallow and all them type of people up in there. 
uh, you know, she got all the people that count up in there that's really making a difference and having an impact out there, you know? Yes. Don't have to excuse my voice. You know, I just came back from a trip. I'm a little rough. Don't okay. have to excuse my voice. It's a little rough right now. Yeah, no problem, no problem. And we have linked to uh, both State versus U.S. Magazine, the online exactly. edition, yep. and the Hip Hop Humanism. They have a name platform that we have uh, linked to as well. Let's let's uh, welcome in Tag, our other co-host. Tag, what it do, bro? Even though Great, great to be discussing with y'all, and uh, good to be uh, co-facilitating with with you, brother Max. Uh, oftentimes, we're not on the same mm-hmm. broadcast, so shout to you yeah. and, and salute all around. Thank you, thank you, brother. Same to you, my brother. Thank you, thank you. You know, like we gonna, you know, we gonna make this happen. We gonna get it done. You know, it's day day by day process, step by step, but we gonna get to where we need to be. You know. Word, word. And for any right, listeners out there, this is an hour-long broadcast. Of course, if we need to go over an hour, we certainly have um, the leisure to do that. But if you have a question or a quick comment, you can get it in at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice that a uh, uh, signal me, your host. And as always, try to watch your background noise. Now, without further delay, let's go ahead and welcome in our guests. Let's first go with um, Tia, Miss Connoisseur Hamilton, who is the publisher of State versus U.S. Magazine. Welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, Miss Connoisseur. I appreciate it. And it, it's State Versus Us magazine. St- State Versus Us. Okay. What did I say? U.S.? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's spelled out. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I mean, that it's does state. make a big difference. So I do feel you. Exactly. It's the State Versus Us. So I feel you. State yeah. Versus Us. Yeah. Meaning us in the struggle, us on behind enemy lines, us behind that G-Wall, us you know, in the field, us on the front line, it's the state versus us, the Fed against us, the state against us, the government against us. It's about us. Nothing about us without us. Exactly, exactly. Now, did you just did you just start publishing the magazine in 2018, or can you give us just a quick background on how you got the idea to start this publication and when you started it? Because it is much needed, you know. Um, I'm glad to see someone in another media format who is focusing on prisoner issues because there's just not really a lot of media out there that's focusing on our most vulnerable people. Well, how I started everything was I, one of my ex. My ex is locked up. He's currently doing 62 years. Um, for robbery, handgun, a whole bunch of stuff that he shouldn't even be. I'm not taking up for him, but the sentencing guidelines he was sentenced out of. Now, he should have got sentenced anywhere between 9 and 14 years. But they gave him 72, and then they took away 10 and gave him 62. Um, he had called me. Well, he wrote a letter because he sent me to prison. Um, so he wrote me a letter apologizing for everything he did, and I told him to give me a call. And as a few months went past, he told me he wanted to do a magazine. Now, mind you, I'm in the process of doing a sports magazine. Um, and then he told me he wanted to do a magazine talking about everyday life in prison. I said, yo, that's not important. 
we wake up, we eat, we go to work, we fight, we play spades, we do whatever, and we back over again the next day. It's not important. I say if I do this, it got to mean something. It got to do something with what we needed to talk about, like like prison reform. Um, we got to talk about wrongful convictions. We got to talk about people that that's going, the little people. I don't want to talk about these big cases. I could talk about them, but I really want to get into the depth of what's happening to the little guy no one knows about, with no family, no anything, who's being bullied in prison, wrongful conviction, and he shouldn't be there. So I added a whole bunch of other things, like let's talk about the successes of formerly incarcerated, because people think when we come home that we can't be great. So in order to make the cover of the magazine, you have to be in social injustice. You also have to be a formerly incarcerated individual. Like it's different, it's different things that you have to be to make the cover of the magazine. So the first issue launched, actually the first issue launched next week would be two years ago, two years ago, um, and I kicked it off with me on the cover. And I put my story inside the magazine to show people what, if I'm going to own it, I need to kick it off with me and my story so people can know what's going on with the person who bringing you this light. I travel all over the world getting stories from men and women um, to tell their stories. And then I, in, I injected myself into these prisons all over the world, state and federal, to get these stories from men and women who are incarcerated wrongfully. You got some high-profile cases who should be there, so they say, because they admitted it. But I'm about abolishing prison. So, um, and it just took flight. So what I decided to do was add some real estate advice, some financial literacy, cannabis, hip-hop, sports, and different things with some models and making a dope situation and it's doing very well in the prisons, the testimonies I get from these men and women because it's making change. That's what it's about. It's making a change in people's mindset. I get fan mail all the time from not people incarcerated, from people across the world thanking me for highlighting that and showing them a different light on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I get testimonies from men and women inside the prison who thanking me for not forgetting about them. Whether the story is about them or not, they feel like if we all if I'm in prison, I'm gonna be happy for my brother or sister that their story is being shown to the world. It's selling out on Barnes and Nobles, it's on four prison catalogs, it's in books a million bookstores, it's on newsstands in New York and New Jersey and Atlanta, LA. It's doing what it's supposed to do. So my vision that I brought to this situation is doing what it's supposed to do. And I'm blessed. Well, we're certainly blessed, and I'm sure the readers are blessed and the people behind bars are blessed that, you know, you found something that you could be passionate about and make a difference. Because, you know, I, I believe strongly in what Malcolm X said about the power of media. For those that don't know, Malcolm X said, media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. It can make the innocent look guilty and make the guilty look innocent. And that's power. And then he also said,
that if you're not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the oppressed and loving the oppressor. So I'm a strong believer in the power of media and why I chose this field as well. And I'm glad to see a, a sister like you who is uh, uh, utilizing that power to make a difference. Uh, speaking of media, let's bring in our other panelists for tonight, and that is Miss J. Renee, who is uh, founded the organization with Dana Dane called Hip Hop Humanism. Greetings to you, sister. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, the same the same to you. Now, I know it began in 2017 when y'all came up with the idea to start this organization, Hip Hop Humanism. Uh, and I'm and I'm definitely down with y'all mission. I don't know if you ever heard of Clear the Airways Project, which is based uh, uh, in Gary, Indiana, but they do a lot of work in Chicago and they travel around the country. Um, but my brother uh, Kwabana Rasuli is the founder of that, and what they focus on is clearing the airways. Talking about the public airways, that's your FM radio uh, stations that's playing all this what we call killer radio. Radio, where they, all they talk is promoting messages about killing people and and dealing drugs and just doing all the negative stuff. So I'm certain. What what made you and Dana Dane step into this space in 2017? Well, um, it started a couple of ways. Um, the major thing we knew, of course, that hip hop was going to be involved. And him and I had the same mind, and we have a lot of similar friends that have the same mind, that music changed. We remember that when when we was coming up and when he was more into the, you know, the music stream, hip-hop was different. It taught us stuff. It, it, it taught us to look within ourselves and look in our community. What do we see? It taught us to, you know, spark conversations. Sometimes we even had to open a dictionary and, and see what something meant. And, and the music has definitely declined now to where now it's always glorifying drugs or glorifying sex or glorifying killing each other. And we, you know, so us showcasing unsigned artists that have a positive message or have a story or have a lesson to give was a no-brainer. That's something that we definitely wanted to do. But, you know, hip-hop is not just music. It's not just something to bop to. It's actually a lifestyle, it's, and it's very big in the urban community. It's part right. of our culture, you know. So <clears throat> um, hip-hop is in the hood. I had the the opportunity to get an interview with someone that reminded me of that, you know, Smith & Wesson. And he was like, you know, hip-hop is in the hood, and nowadays, you know, a lot of artists forget that. They forget the hood, and I was like, you know, that's right. So... Um, I had a chance to go back to my neighborhood. I left. I was in the military. I was gone for a while. So I didn't really, I wasn't in the midst of seeing my neighborhood change. But being away from my neighborhood for 12 years and then going back, it forced me to see the extreme change. It was like, it was very extreme. And I'm just watching the kids and I'm just looking at my neighborhood and how it's just different. And I was like, man, these kids need a way out. So that sparked the initiative program, um, A Kid's Way Out. And that's when we started to say, okay, we're going to create programs from scratch, looking at the community, what they need and what they have, so these kids can have a way out of this circumstance to change the narrative. So mm -hmm. that became a part of it. And then we ended up on the radio. I ended up meeting, actually, the other um, guest, Miss Connoisseur, um, trying to get my message out there and let everybody know, hey, this is what we're doing. Who wants to help me? You know, we got these programs we're trying to put together. And it's like no one wanted 
to talk to me on the radio. Nobody would give me a chance. Mm-hmm. And I ended up meeting her, you know, trying to spread this message. So we ended up um, in 2019, ended up getting Hip Hop Humanism Radio. So on there, um, we continue to promote unsigned artists. We put things out in the urban atmosphere, what's going on with us, our news, our accomplishments, um, stuff about stress, just everything, everything. But it's all positive and and hopefully it will continue to you know just make greater and greater success for the urban community well i I just want to tie what you're doing into what we what this program is about and that's exposing that prison slavery exists and so how Mm -hmm. does how does hip-hop music or as some of my other hip hop heads might call it, you know, this gangster rap or this slop hop or or you know this murder music. Well, how does it tie into prison slavery? Well, it promotes behaviors that will land one if not in a grave, but in a prison sl- cell in prison exactly. slavery. And so it is very important that we change the message. And, and you know, it's awful funny that you know. People want to condemn those who are in prison and what's going on in the hood, but they ain't got a problem with spending big dollars on putting it on the airways and then buying advertisement and, and what have you. You know, you, you turn on the radio and they're talking about killing somebody and then next day, you know, here's a commercial about McDonald's or, or Dollar General mm-hmm. and all of that. You know, the corporate, the corporate world, which also of uh, the corporate world is utilizing prison slavery, which a lot of people don't recognize. So now I'm going right. to go ahead and, and let uh, Brother Maxwell and Brother Tag jump in if they have any questions or comments they'd like to make to either of you. Maxwell? Uh-oh. Now, Max told me he was tired, y'all. This is live radio. Sound like Max is over there snoring for real. Uh, the brother just just got in, as he stated to me earlier, so that's probably why he called in. Bless his heart. Tag, did you have any questions or comments? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just greatly appreciate, you know, what, what y'all sisters are contributing and, and all that y'all have outlined. So, um, well, just to start out, uh, Ms. Connoisseur, given given that you're really reaching to the communities on the inside, especially, and, and, and highlighting, as you said, those who are often made as if they're invisible out here, uh, the first question would be, have you faced any roadblocks as far as getting, getting your publications inside to, to those that it's most relevant to? Uh, from you know, from these slavers and and the prison plantations. Absolutely, these slave owners don't want to see this knowledge coming in. So when you you dealing with situations like I'm based in Baltimore, so you got a prison out here in Hagerstown, Maryland, that was trying to block me. So it was more or less that I'm not even on the block list, but they kept blocking my magazine. So they sent a bulletin out to the whole prison giving them a list of magazines. There was five magazines on the list. State versus Us magazine wasn't one of them. So now I feel like I had someone had beef with me inside the mailroom. How are you blocking something that's not on the block list? So I got the ACLU involved. And then next thing you know, my magazine is accepted. 
So I had a, a block in New York. Now I'm good. I had a block in Cali. And I didn't have to do anything. The guy I was sending it to in Cali got that straight. And now I'm in Cali. So it, I just recently got a um a rejection letter from a fed prison. I can't remember which one. But I'm on top of that as well. And then it's just it's just crazy because they will use terms like I'm a breach of security. I'm causing destruction. It's other got other inmates being interviewed in a magazine. Nowhere in a magazine where it should say where it says overturn the damn jail is more you than them. <laughs> That's what it should say, but it doesn't. These are people telling their actual stories about how they was wrongfully convicted and railroaded by the system. So because it's other guys and women inside the magazine telling their stories, they're using that as a breach of security, that I'm breaching security because I'm allowing people to talk. Get the hell out of here. You know what I mean? Like, they don't want people to know what they're doing to people. They don't want people to know that it's no education in these prisons. It has to be a certain prison. And if you're in a fed and you got life, you can't go and get education. You got to be seven years away from coming home before you can even go to school. So it's different things that people need to know that they don't want people to know. It's really no education on here. You may get a GED, depends on where you are. You may get college, depends on where you are, but it's few in between. It's not everywhere. It's not in every prison. So the knowledge in this magazine that is given to people, they are mad that it's knowledge. It's a knowledge book. It's a good quality book. So if someone shares it, it's going to come back the same way it was given to them, even if it was said 30 times. Because it's quality, it's knowledge, and it's hitting home. And these people are sending me interview requests by the boatload because they want to tell their stories too. And that was the purpose. One, one thing that I want to interject about the education piece, and, and I guess it, you know, you would know better than me because um, I'm not inside of these prisons and, and what have you, although I'm in contact with prisoners. But it was my understanding that the 1994 Biden crime bill, you know, that old racist man who who right now seems to be leading the Democratic primary, but he was the one who who uh, got Pell Grants banned, you know, federal Pell that Grants. That was Bill Clinton. Yeah, but it so, was Biden's bill. You're right. It was President yeah, Clinton who signed yeah. it, but it was Biden who wrote it. it. And, and, and I'm not taking off for Biden. But he did apologize for his thing, for his wrong, not once, but twice, but ten times, even when he was vice president with Obama. It was an apology. But, yes, that it was his bill, and Bill Clinton signed it. So when Obama was in office, he brought it back. But because the Congress wouldn't allow him to bring it all the way back, like, give everybody an opportunity everywhere. They have stipulations. So, it like in Maryland, if you're not in this particular jail in Jessup, Maryland, you can forget about your education. It's one jail in Maryland that you can go to college at the University of Maryland, Baltimore. You can just do whatever you want to do, get GEDs, get trades, get a degree, do everything. But if you're in Cumberland, you're in Hagerstown, or you're in ECI, you can't get those same privileges. 
Obama tried to bring that back, and they wouldn't let that happen. So when you're in the feds and you're not seven years removed, you can't get that privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's a damn shame that yeah. people, you got somebody sitting sitting for life, and I got to sit here and twiddle my thumbs. There's no trade. It's no education. I just got to sit here because they want you to kill yourself. They want you to kill somebody else. They want you to cause conflict so they can put checks on your on your record saying you can't get this, you can't get that because you stayed in trouble. Like, it never, I never understood how someone could go up against a parole board and they look at them and say, well, you've been in trouble for this amount of infractions. You in effing prison. Right. Who's not going to be when you're a bunch around a bunch of grown men with a hundred and million and one different personalities mm-hmm. and you putting this game member on the same tier with this game member knowing they got beef and your exact idea is to have them kill each other off so you don't have to deal with them mm-hmm. or put them on locker because it's a fact that being on solitary confinement can give you PTSD can mess with you psychologically, just give you all kind of different frames of mind, and they don't care. So we just got a whole different thing, a whole bunch of different things going on at the same time while government is fucking us over at the same time. Right, and then, you know, it also exposes the myth that this is some kind of reform process or correction process, and it's really just a setup for you to reoffend and, and you know keep that revolving door uh, going. It's all about money. It's all about money. Cause when you in, let's say New York, for instance, New York is they getting anywhere between a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand per body. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you got one prison, we talking about a hundred million in that one prison. So let's talk about the private prison. Ten years ago. It was only a hundred, um, no, ten, yeah, it was a hundred, no, ten years ago it was like ten private prisons. Now it's over a hundred private prisons. In the next ten years, they're expecting over three hundred private prisons. So when you got six percent of the major corporations, which is fifty corporations, like Exxon, BP, all the banks, Walmart, Starbucks, Microsoft, Starbucks, um. Um, uh, Victoria's Secret, Wendy's. McDonald's, mm-hmm. Whole Foods, Wendy's, Tanegra Foods. When you got all these companies invested in private prisons, which are the unsafer prisons, what do we do? We have to abolish them. We have to get them shut down because those are the unsafer prisons. We already unsafe with government-ran prisons. So imagine what these government-ran, I mean, these private-ran prisons are dealing are going sending these men and women through. Yeah. Right now, we got the governor of New York using the inmates to create hand sanitizers and different things for free. Mm-hmm. So we gotta be mindful when we got four major states, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Arkansas, who are definitely not paying nobody that's locked up to go to work. And if you refuse, they put them on solitary confinement. So now you mess with the person's brain. It's psychological problems you're giving them. Right. It's, it's, and it's then they actually... send them home with no rehabilitation at all. So when we look at countries like Norway, who you can't become a cop unless you go through three years training. When we look at com- countries like the Netherlands, when 
they rehabilitate them. So their recidivism is low as hell. Right. Right. And and then you got these Trump supporters or people like them and these racists who think that it's okay to send people to jail because they did wrong of what they say was wrong. But at the end of the day, jail supposed to be a reform rehab location. You're not educating them. You're not giving them the tools to come out. You're not giving them job development skills. You're not giving them mental health. You're not giving them substance abuse classes. You're not doing anything. The only time they get substance abuse classes is when they're court ordered to do so to come home. They went in there with a problem, so you say. So we're not. they're not doing what they're supposed to do adequately. They're just throwing them in a box and getting money off of them and say, hell, who gives a fuck? It ain't, it ain't mine. But then the rich come home when you got people like this president who bring all his homeboys home after they broke the law, but let me broke that, break that same law, I'm going to do my 12 years. When you got an issue four, you got Jamila T. Davis. She's on my cover. That's my sis. Salute to her. She was went to fed prison for a white-collar crime. She took down Lehman Brothers Bank. Lehman Brothers Bank and their affiliates taught Jamila how to do white-collar crime. They taught her the ins and outs. They taught her the documents. They taught her what to write, what to say, what to read, and everything. She became a millionaire because of them. So when it hit the fan, they only got two years in prison. Jamila caught 12. So that's, again, white versus black. My white counterpart is not getting the same punishment that I'm getting. And I got a goddamn problem with it. As you should, as you should. Uh, let's let's allow Jay Renee to jump in here. You have any thoughts on what we're discussing thus far? And and let me ask you this. You know, um, I know Maxwell. Um, you know, with the Lifers Group was nominated for a Grammy. You know, they were making uh, put out a rap album while they were on the inside. And um, so, do y'all have any ex prisoners that's you know ch- that y'all are promoting their music? And you know, what's it? What's it? Was what are your thoughts? Um, well, as far as um, having any prisoners whose music that we promote, I um, I actually have been in contact with prisoners that know they have family members, but I don't have yet an actual prisoner. But that's not something I'm opposed to. I would definitely play their music you know, if it was, you know, within the realms. But I want to talk a little bit about what Tia said with the PTSD that comes from consolidatory confinement. Yes. Um, PTSD is, is, is something else, you know, and something that I suffer from. Um, I'm a veteran, and I've been to Iraq twice. But my PTSD started from being alone. And what I mean by that is, uh, my unit was in one area, and they left me behind somewhere else. And I was uh, literally alone every day for about two and a half months. And this is just two and a half months. That isolation time completely changed how my brain worked, how I seen the world, and how every, this it, it changed my life still to today. It still affects me today. And this was like 15 years ago, you know? And um and I and even though I was alone I still 
I had a, a, a kind of a sense of freedom. Iraq is kind of set up like prison in a way, like you have the barbed wire, you can't go out. It's really bright. Like it has some systematic stuff. But, you know, even in, in, in that situation where it wasn't just a, a small room, you know, I had a pretty much a large tent to myself. I had some, you know, some space and stuff. It still affected me. So one can only imagine how years of that could have an effect on somebody you know that's that's something very real and like she said no one is is helping them deal with that and ptsd is one of those things like you you can eventually hopefully hope to cope with it but it's something that you need assistance with you know there's some some very low points and in, in, in it can affect your behavior in ways that can send you back to prison it can affect your behaviors in ways where you can you might want to you might hurt yourself or someone else you know so it's and, and I feel like and everyone with common sense knows that that is not on accident. Right, it's very purposeful. You, you know, um, the international medical community has has said that solitary confinement is torture, and that you suffer damage after just twenty four hours. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, most of the European countries have already banned solitary confinement. They don't even use um, solitary confinement because it is torture. And, you know, it, it's just a shame. You know, I had an opportunity to meet um, a couple of brothers who had spent some time. Albert Wood Fox was one. Um, Tag, help me out. What was the name of what was the name of the three? I can't remember the name of the three. Angola three. Angola three. Angola three. And Albert Woodfox spent 40 years, over 40 years in solitary confinement. And it wasn't just the solitary confinement. It was that whenever they took him out to cell, because they had to take him out for at least an hour a day, is that they then tortured him by doing those invasive body cavity searches. Now, you know this man ain't got nothing on him. He been in this, in this cell for 40 years, you know, only out, only time he's out is when guards take him out. So what was the purpose of these body cavity uh, searches? Well, it was to torture this man because the Angola 3, you know, were became Black Panthers while they were inside and they started organizing the prisoners, you know, so that they would not be acting like how the system wants them to act and be taking out retribution on each other and organizing them and educating, and, and, you know, setting up these education groups and so they were targeted for simply doing what the state should have been doing if it was about reform so solitary confinement is is not a joke but i too um uh jay renee i'm a veteran too i'm a veteran of the first gulf war um I didn't experience what you experienced, but it changed my life. And when I say it changed my life or my worldview was reading Malcolm X's biography while I was sitting over there and then having a top secret security clearance and seeing how the data on just how many of them civilians that they were killing with all them bombs. I mean, it it just really changed me uh, in my worldview as well. Um, um, Tag, did you have anything else? So let me, can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Tia. And this is for my sis as well as you, as you because you're a veteran. I feel like black people don't belong in the white man's war. I don't care if it's a CO at a jail, if it's a police officer on death duty, or the or behind enemy lines at these at, in, in a branch of service. 
do how do y'all feel about that? Well, I got out because, like I stated, I read Malcolm X's biography. And that really sped up my path to consciousness. And then I started thinking in terms of those other Iraqi soldiers that I know is just being, didn't have a chance and was being killed. And neither one of us in charge, uh, you know, and neither one of us benefiting, but we out here killing each other. And so I had, I was like, I was on my last my last um, contract, I can't remember what we used to call it, but I signed up like three years at a time. So I was like months away from my six year, uh, six, six year. And I, I would have probably re-upped because I was doing fairly well in terms of my promotion, getting promoted and what have you. And so, but after, after my experience and, and just reflecting on my role in that war, I was like, I got to get out. And I got out. And you know, I'm glad you said that because, and I'm not to interrupt you, but I'm glad you, you said that because what they do is they dangle the benefits in front of mm-hmm. us. Yeah, especially they do in that. our black community, especially in front of our black communities, and they go inside our black schools and they go and they do these recruitments and they say, well, you're going to get a free education. You could get that right. shit anyway. Yeah, that GI Bill. And, and, yeah. and you're going to be able to get this, and you get to travel the world for free, and you get to do X, Y, Z, because I almost became a victim. That's why God is amazing, because everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go on the buddy system with a friend of mine, my best friend at the time. And my mother zapped out. I was going to go in the Army. My godmother, my, my mother's god sister, she was in the Navy, a captain in the Navy. So my mother wanted me to follow her footsteps. I was like, I don't want to go and be in the water all day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to go in the Army. I want to be in these Army fatigues. I want to be in these right. bad boots because the shit Girl, looks no. sick to me. Mm-hmm. And when my mother embraced my best friend for going in the Army and not me, I said, fuck this shit. I'm not doing none of it. Nice. And that's the uh, reason. <clears throat> you see, my mother right. don't understand to this day that a lot of the evil moves that she made, it kind of helped me and influenced me into another direction. And it was because of, you know, that blessing, and it opened me up to see other things. And by me going on the, in, the, in the streets with crime and being one of the big drug dealers in, in, in the industry and, and then coming, going to jail and coming home and seeing things different, we don't belong there. Mm-hmm. I um, when it comes to service, I would say this: if I could do it all over, I wouldn't go in. And anytime somebody asks me about joining the service, I tell them they shouldn't go in. Right? They definitely target the urban community. Um, with you know, in the military, it comes with things that look like perks, like. Um, you go to a car dealership and they know that you're in the military, you most likely going to get that brand new car because they know they're going to get the money. So, you know, it, it kind of alludes to a lifestyle, you know what I mean? So they they target the community and they're like, yeah, the dudes in the Army, they be, be having money, you know, dangling the benefits. Um, one thing I definitely believe is I don't think women should be in the military and that's because of the sexual abuse and harassment right. and everything that comes with that. Like being a woman in the military is totally different experience 
damaging and, and changing. It definitely, you know, changes you. <clears throat> as far as, um, yeah, I don't think we belong in it. I think we, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, look, every country needs a defense force, but that is not what the United States does. It goes and and it occupies other countries and it exploits them on the behalf of these transnational corporations. We don't benefit from it, but, you know, I don't judge anyone that's been to the military or is in the military because, you know, we're all we were all programmed with propaganda you know how, you know, they do the movies, the Rambo movies, and like the sister was saying, you know, they, they say that you'll get this perk, you'll get that perk. My reason for going in was I didn't want to go into debt like my sister had with student loans and what have you, and I went in for for the GI Bill, um, and that's the only reason yeah, I, I, I went I, I in went just in. to escape my neighborhood, to escape my what was going on in my neighborhood and the abuse at home. And I knew I was going to get three hots in a cot. I was like, I'm out. Right. I mean, and there is that that security and nobody, you know, ever thinks that they're going to go to war. But, you know, I just I just tell people you got to make your best decision, but just know what you're really doing. You're not really defending the the people of the United States, but you're defending the interests of corporations around the world. But um, yeah, if you if you join the military where there's no war and you get in and get out, you can make a lot of money and save your money and do your job safe side and go about your business. But it has a lot with it. You know what I mean? I, anybody that asks me, should they join? I say no. Yeah, I say find another way to get that college money. But listen, uh, we got about we, we only have a few more minutes left. And I do want to share some information about. Uh, these prisoners in, in coronavirus. So the uh, 122 federal prisons and many of the 1,700 plus state prisons have now banned visitors and volunteers hope, hopeful, hoping to prevent potentially disastrous coronavirus outbreaks among prisoners and staff in close quarters where disease can easily spread. Now, you know, a lot of people may not know, but there's an epidemic of hepatitis C in these prisons, okay? And I came into into that knowledge because of Mamie Abu-Jamal's case in Pennsylvania where he, you know, had to take these people to court to fight because there is a cure for it. There is a cure for it, and they don't want to give these prisoners the cure. So, you know, because of that case, what was that, Tia? It's a cure for everything. Well, just about. You know, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I know there's a cure for Hep C, and they're not giving it to them. Okay, and and you know that's a violation of their human rights. So now you're talking about the coronavirus or COVID nineteen, which which is a fairly new. Um, that's why it's called Nuvo. It's a new virus, and it's taking people up out of here around the world, especially elderly people and so I do stand in solidarity with the cause for the compassionate release of elderly prisoners you know who are the least likely to reoffend if they offended to be in the first place cause again I am a true believer that most people in prison shouldn't even be there you know that, that didn't harm yeah. anyone yeah. so yeah. 
So, you know, we got we got to keep our prisoners. That I tell you, man, they are some of our, besides children, they are some of our most vulnerable people in this society. And we got to look out for them. And I was like, I was like shocked, you know. Well, I shouldn't say shocked, but because I don't know a lot about what goes on in the inside of Iran. You know, we get so much propaganda from from state media in which I call all corporate media state media so much propaganda about these other countries and it may not even be true you know but when they released 50,000 uh, 57,000 prisoners I was like see that's something that need to be happening right here in the United States you know if they really cared about you know the prisoners which they don't we know they don't um, so there are calls in a bunch of different states um, in Illinois. I think you got Governor Prisker, and he's being called to release the elderly. Um, this is an excerpt from the article. We've all been told to socially distance ourselves to prevent the spread of the virus. Well, there's no such thing as social distancing in prison, said Alan Mills, executive director of the Uptown People's Law Center, and one of around 1,600 co-signers of the letter sent to Prisker. Now, that's that's just in Illinois. Uh, Tag, you was telling me, you know, earlier today, you know, that there are moves being made, you know, in New York City as well, uh, dealing with Rikers and, and what have you. What What do you have that you can share? I know you don't have a lot of the details, but what can you share with us? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely moves being made um, on a few different levels. And so just to kind of, bring it back, this was mentioned that uh, Cuomo and the rest of the slaver state in New York had been exploiting uh, imprisoned labor, uh, pardon, imprisoned labor uh, on the inside producing hand sanitizer, uh, which they were foul enough to call New York State clean. And they have had, you know, working to manufacture this hand sanitizer, you know, for pennies an hour, uh, you know, far enslaved wages as we know how they get down and they're just very openly uh, basically bragging about how it's going to save so so much in cost etc etc so basically you know abolitionists and anyone with a conscience that that has gotten wind of this you know have been pushing back against it uh, particularly this past week on Tuesday uh, a group called RAP uh, which specifically focuses on uh, aging uh, imprisoned heads, uh, release uh, aging uh, people in prison, uh, rap. Uh, they, they called for an action and, and held an action with a number of other uh, groups uh, at City Hall, uh, just just expressing their, their outrage at, at what was going on, uh, especially with this, with this exploitation, this most recent exploitation of, of enslaved heads in New York as well as uh, demanding the release of, of these uh, extremely vulnerable, as, as you said, um, aging and, and elderly uh, imprisoned heads who, who there's, there's no reason for, for them to be there, uh, period. And, and, of course, their reason, their perspective is that, you know, as slavers, they're, 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 they're taking off of these, these heads' bodies and off of their labor and off of their suffering and off of the suffering of, of their families and our communities. And I also just want to just really shout out our, the, the freedom fighters who are enslaved out here, um, who um, in, in many instances are elders, 
being kept in, in, in these kinds of conditions and, and are really being, you know, put in a, in a dangerous position all the time. Yeah, our political prisoners, yeah, has been locked up since the 60s, 70s, and the 80s for, you know, fighting for freedom for us all. Um, So we got about four minutes left. I want to thank our guests for joining us, and I want to give them an opportunity to lead a listening audience with a final thought. We're going to start with you, Jay, Jay Renee. Uh, of course, remind people, you know, how they can hear your radio program and uh, any thoughts you want to share in our closing moments okay thank you um like i said i appreciate very much for y'all having me if y'all want to connect with me you can we're on instagram twitter and on facebook under the j renee that's t-h-e-j-a-y-r-e-n-e um the name of my organization is hip-hop humanism you can link with us via internet at hiphophumanism.com if you want to hear me on the radio you go to wmskonlineradio.com and look up hip hop humanism radio and you will definitely find me there and you know connect with me I love to connect with people and build so I look forward to that all right and we look forward to building with you as well in the future uh Tia Miss Connoisseur yes sir any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the listeners tonight? My final thoughts is support men and women <laughs> behind the wall. If you got a family member, I'm sorry. If you got a family member, support them. If you got a friend, support him or her. If if you haven't spoken to someone in a long time that's been locked up, so write him a letter. Mail is important. Communication is important. If you can't send a $10 money order, send a letter. They love mail. They'd be glad. When mail comes, that's the most important part of the day is getting mail. Follow me at State VSUS on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook at State Versus Us Magazine. Go to my website at StateVSUSMag.com. Subscribe. Get the news, get the latest um, updates, what's going on, and you also could be a subscriber. Subscribe to the magazine. Get the magazine. You, We ship the prisons. So if you want to order for someone that's incarcerated, go to the site, statevsusmag.com, and we will send to prisons. Also, if you got a case, wrongful conviction, you know someone's wrongful convicted, and you got a high-profile case, or your success story of a formerly incarcerated individual, Email me at statevsusmag at gmail.com. Hello? I'm sorry. Yes, I, I have myself yeah. muted. I want to thank you, sisters, for joining us. I hope this won't be the last time that you visit with us here on New Abolitionist Radio. And please keep up the great work. The work you're doing is very inspiring and is much needed because there's not a lot of people that's operating in that space. Uh, tag. Right. Any final thoughts, Tag? Anything coming up you need to let people know about? Yes. Let me just start by, again, just saying how much I appreciate the sisters stepping through and, and just building. It's, it's so encouraging to hear, you know, the kind of strong work that's being done and, and being done from, from the right place and, and just, you know, in such a direct way. So, so fully appreciate that. Always appreciate New Abolitionist Radio for, for the, the 
discussions that, that we're able to have here. And I want to just, again, just, just speak to, to the, the work that's being done around pushing back against these, these exploitative policies in New York and, and across the U.S., because this is obviously, you know, a, a national issue as far as uh, enslavement is concerned. And, and during these kinds of moments, when what we already know is going on are really, you know, brought out ex extremely sharply. And, and those of us who are in the most precarious and vulnerable positions end up really catching the, the, the horrible brunt of it. So uh, just, you know, salute to everyone who's on the inside uh, struggling from up under that. And, 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 and on a global level, shouts to those that are breaking out, you know, out in Italy. We're hearing about uh, hunger strikes and, and uprisings you know, globally behind this. So we, we, we know that it's a problem across the board. And uh, also just, you know, to, to build off of what uh, Ms. Connoisseur was saying, uh, if you know anyone on the inside or even if you don't, there's, you know, there's so much information out there. You could look up one of the political prisoners like uh, Jaleel Muntikin, freejaleel.com, so many others, and just send, you know, those basic uh, necessaries that has need, um, especially in moments like, like these, you know, like, like soap, uh, those, those basic necessities that we, we can take for granted when, when we're on, on the outside here. And uh, just to, to underline, the, as far as New York State is concerned, they, uh, they specify that if you send soap inside, it has to be a white bar soap, unscented, no alcohol, no rope, and in its packaging individually wow. packaged soap. And, and of course, you know how they get down with, with all of these uh, items that we send inside. They, they, they tend to specify that they have to be white, like the envelopes, et cetera. So go figure. Right. Please get me that info. Please email me that info so I can make sure this is made aware because that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's right. crazy. And one other thing, um, I own a bookstore out here today, made three months that we've been open. It's called Urban Reads Bookstore, where it's the hub for black authors and prison authors. So if it's a prison author, someone that's listening and they know a prison author and they want a space to put they book, put the book in so they can make some money and not just sit on Amazon where no one knows what's going on, hit me up. All right. Again, um, the, you can link up with both of these sisters via the links that we put on the website. And, of course, they gave out uh, their contact information. So, uh, in closing, I would just like to say if you want to subscribe to this podcast, um, you know, you can go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, New Abolitionist Radio. You can subscribe directly via our, our, our RSS feed. And we're also, uh, of course, published on all the major podcasting platforms, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, and others as well. All right. So, again, I want to thank Maxwell. Uh, Maxwell couldn't join us because he was tuckered out, man. You know, Maxwell out there traveling, doing a lot of traveling, and I certainly understand, you know, if he wasn't feeling well and wasn't able to join us in conversation. But he did. Um, you know, set it up so that we could talk to these two beautiful sisters tonight. Right. So we that was much, that. much, much appreciated, Max, um, for that. Um, again, I want to reiterate 
The reason this program was started in 2012 was because I read the 13th Amendment and I got pretty good reading comprehension. And I don't know why it took me to I was what uh, in my 40s. Wait a minute. Yeah, 2012, I was in my 40s and it took that long until I came across the 13th Amendment. Never showed it to me in high school. Never came across it being discussed in the college classroom. It just took me by chance coming across the 13th Amendment, and I read it, and I was like, wait a minute. You can't abolish something and then say except for and then still claim that you're abolishing something. So people, they never abolished slavery. They just changed the parameters and the location, all right? And we need to end prison slavery Mm -hmm. today. We needed to end it yesterday. So if if you know that slavery's never been abolished and you want to end it, then call yourself an abolitionist and join this movement. With that said, y'all be safe behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Peace and blessings to all. Good night. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom.